uh, at the end of class, I described uh, what I call the um, conspiracy of life or conspiracy of love, which has to do with this way in which existence, life, as an optimizing force is conspiring to bring us to a more expanded, more open, or more complete state of experience. And our meditation today is focused in a way on being open and available to that. Because what normally happens is that we miss this conspiracy entirely. In other words, if we if we took for a moment that there is an intelligence that is operating in us and through us that is here in a way to expand our consciousness, making us more available to uh, a broader and deeper range of understanding and experience, what we see most of the time, for most of us, is that rather than being a part of that conspiracy, we are normally engaged in maintaining a kind of status quo, that we're often more invested in keeping our experience somewhat the same rather than expanding. Uh, And we do that, of course, in a lot of different ways by making our experience predictable in certain ways or comfortable in certain ways. But there's a more sophisticated element to it, too, where we are uh, playing out a program that may not even be comfortable, right? It may not even be comfortable at all, but we're playing out that program in such a way that it seems to be really, truly who we are. And because that program is so uh, well-defined and well-practiced, Uh, it can appear to our consciousness that there really isn't anything to us but that. So it will give us a a kind of habitual experience of ourselves and even more than that, a habitual experience of our world where we will then talk about it as reality, as though uh, this program is my reality and the reality of the world. But what goes unnoticed is that it's a program and not reality. And this is, you know, I'm condensing, uh, you know, years and years of spiritual work and understanding into very brief phrases here. So please understand this. Uh, So we tend to think or we tend to operate as though our model for who we are and what the universe is, what reality is, is just right. And then when you meet someone who holds a conflicting or different view of reality than you do, you tend to either clash, or if you're open to it, you abandon your previous limited idea to adopt a perhaps more expansive one. Or if you're stupid, you go the other way around, where you go from an expansive viewpoint to a more limited one. (laughs) That happens from time to time, you know. 
you switch po political parties thinking the other party has it better than yours does, you know? You don't really take a leap in intelligence, you just change teams, you know? You don't go to a different sport or up to the next level, you just move in a sideways direction to something else. That happens, we try that, you know? I say stupid with humor, at least for me anyway. Um, but the idea is, is that if we actually begin to sense or make ourselves aware of this conspiracy of consciousness, that there are messages coming from our phenomenal world, there are messages coming in our perception, there are messages coming all around us, that are inviting us into a more expansive state of awareness, that are inviting us to see things that we haven't already seen, to know things that we haven't already known, right? Now this might sound like I'm speaking of like, there's a God and God is out there like sending you messages so that you'll see things. That's not what I'm talking about at all, at all. I'm talking more that there is a, a landscape that you are navigating on, that you are walking on. It's like walking in the forest, but it's like walking in the forest with your eyes closed and you're convinced that you're in a desert, right? So the messages are like bumping into trees or smelling the pine, right? And you start to wonder why you're smelling pine in the middle of the desert, right? Or you start to wonder why it's raining in the middle of the desert, or why are there these giant trees in the middle of the desert. You haven't yet opened your eyes necessarily, but you're beginning to sense that you're in a landscape different than the one that you've become familiar with, right? So the conspiracy here is that life is trying to show us, if you will, existence is trying to show us that we're a part of something more than our program. That what we're involved with in existence is something so much bigger, so much more uh, complete, more, some, and we could say more beautiful than what our program entails. But it takes our openness and our willingness and our interest to begin to perceive that. Because you could walk in the forest for quite a long time, convinced that you're in the desert, and never really have the interest to open your eyes and look around, right? So meditation being one such technique amongst many is a technology then to begin to pay attention. And one of the nearest and closest ways that we can do that is by beginning to pay attention to our inner experience and to see that your, in, your inner experience is not accidental. It's not just random. It's actually uh, designed in a very precise way that if you begin to pay attention to it with a real genuine openness and a real willingness to encounter your experience fully and completely, that you start to fall into this kind of conspiracy. That you start to notice that uh, an experience that you're having, say boredom or fear or sadness, isn't as solid and complete as we might think. Because as you open to that experience, as you engage that experience with your interest, it actually begins to unfold something else, maybe a reason for your boredom or your fear, but it may be even something deeper than that, a deeper level of experience, right? And uh, I don't want to give any specific direction to that because what's important here is that you're with your unfolding experience. So I don't want to compromise that by saying it should go this way or it should go this way. But there's something very interesting that happens with us when we have that quality of attentiveness. This is where meditation is not confined to an experience of sitting on a cushion with your eyes closed and trying to shut out the external world. It's one that's 
in our walking through existence. It's walking down the street with us, walk, just driving the car, it's interacting in relationship. And we're always receiving these messages, or we're always receiving these signals that if we don't pay attention to them, what happens is, ordinarily, you'll get a signal, you don't like it, you'll try to send it away, to which then it will return. And you'll don't like it, so you'll send it away, to which it will return. And it keeps returning until you open to it. It keeps showing up again and again. It's like, why am I so jealous again? Why am I so afraid, afraid again? I thought I conquered that. I thought I got rid of that. But here it is again. And here it is again. And here it is again. Day in and day out, here it is again. Because the real truth is, is that we're not really uh, experiencing openly and with interest the message that be, is being delivered, right? Because what we're doing in that moment is we're assuming that if we're bored or afraid or sad, it's the wrong experience. It's not the experience you should be having. It's the wrong one, right? And what happens in that mentality is you shut out all of existence. You basically say the whole universe is an accident because this state that I'm experiencing is an accident, that it shouldn't be there, right? So we will go about our lives from that point of view, almost perceiving life as a mistake or a series of mistaken experiences or events, right? And uh, ordinarily, what a person comes to then is trying to manage or control their experience so that they manage and control good experiences to come and prevent any bad experiences to come, right? So then the program then, the track is to be able to live a life that doesn't have a bunch of shit coming, right? But we realize you can never pull it off. You can never pull off a life with no shit, right? That shit keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, right? Because we're not yet understanding what this message that's coming is. If we begin to engage this, uh, let's call it um, compost. If we begin to engage this compost, see that's a good example actually. There's shit and there's compost. Compost nourishes, right? Shit is something we want to get rid of. The idea here is that if we begin to use our experience, understanding that there is that conspiratorial piece to it, that it's actually an important link to the next thing, and to the thing after that, and to the thing after that, then we become very interested in our experience. We become very open to our experience. And what begins to happen from that is actually quite extraordinary, is that you start to realize that the things that you want start to come into your field of vision. The things that you're really wanting in your experience begin to come into your field of vision. You actually begin to experience your external world rearranging itself around an internal shift of perspective. That when you're actually open to the message that has occurred in your consciousness, in a way, almost magically, not magically, just mystically, you begin opening to messages in your external world too. And you start to see that there's something that's operating in your favor, even if you're not agreeing with it. You know, imagine, imagine going, imagine getting some kind of ticket or, or citation and you go to court, okay? And you have your defense all ready to go. You're ready to defend all the reasons why you're not guilty. And as you step into the courtroom, the whole approach of the other side is to find you innocent. But because of your defensiveness, you believe you're guilty. Okay? Is this making sense? 
I see a couple of people of you looking at me like, what? The idea is, is that we think we're on the wrong side. We're not in touch with the side that's actually working for us. So we tend to see our experience as either helpful if it pleases us and an obstacle if it displeases us. But if we were to begin to see that everything is a part of the conspiracy, that everything that happens to you, everything that happens in your inner world, every feeling you have, every state you experience is all a part of something that's trying to aid you to expand, that's trying to aid you to unfold and open yourself beyond what you have ever known, right? Then something phenomenal begins to happen. As we encounter those states or those feelings or whatnot with that openness and interest, a pattern begins to develop. And you see you're a part of a pattern that you could have never predicted before because it's so much more intelligent than you are. Meaning, the deeper intelligence within you knows better than your programmed mind. So when it is revealing itself to you, you realize the exquisite brilliance and intelligence of what's leading you, right? It's from this place that Rumi can write in his poem. He can write, uh, what hurts you blesses you. He's not saying that as some like, what kills you makes you stronger. It's not that kind of thing. He's saying that what hurts you, if you'll open to it, is a blessing that you cannot predict, right? And in yoga, this is often taught as the willingness to encounter difficulty or the willingness to experience pain. Because what we do as a part of our programming is we keep out what is painful and we welcome in what's pleasurable, wanting more of it. But this is only, this is a lopsided uh, way of being in touch with this conspiracy. It's almost like you're, we're operating as though we believe that Existence should always make us feel pleasure, and that if pain comes, it's wrong, it's bad, it's something to be avoided. When these two become equal in our consciousness, when we can begin to see that everything that's happening is a part of an unfolding, that everything that's happening is a part of a greater expansion of my consciousness, something begins to unfold from there. We're part of then a greater intelligence than our program. Just the word conspiracy is in uh, most uh, language uh, a negative term, mm -hmm. but really it means breathing together or something like that. Oh yeah, hadn't considered that. Yeah, to conspire, to to spire with, to breathe with. Yeah, that's beautiful. Love that. Yeah, to conspire. Mm -hmm. It is. We do have a negative connotation, don't we? Why do we have, even that's an interesting thing? Why do we have a negative connotation of conspiracy? I mean, one, media influence and whatnot. But there's the sense that if you go along with something, it's a bad move. You know what I mean? There's a sense, we have the sense to our individuality that I need to go my way, my own way. And that if I go with something else, that's bad news. And if you look at our societal programming, most of the time it is. If you go with something, you end up going in the wrong direction. But it's different. It's different to conspire with life. It's different to conspire with existence. Makes me think less of um, that, like it's a negative thing that I'm conspiring, but it's more like 
I would think about like conspiracies out there. Mm -hmm. right? There are things that are trying to impose on me. Right. A big influence, right? And that, I think that really gets at kind of what you're speaking to. Yep. Of it's not, we gotta be on guard. Exactly. And that's, that's the fearful programming that comes with our sense of individuality, is I have an individuality that I need to protect. And whatever I encounter out there is going to potentially be a threat, so I've got to be on guard. We, for, we have forgotten the optimizing force of existence. We have forgotten that existence is in our favor. And so we take up a fearful mindset to protect ourselves against that, which is why we don't receive the messages. We're busy protecting ourselves from those messages rather than opening to them. Today's meditation was just a, a very simple sampling of what it means to continue to open to and take interest in your experience. Experience, this is an interesting thing to observe. Your experience does not become negative until you resist it. Nothing in your experience will ever be negative until you resist it. As soon as you resist it, it becomes entirely negative. Before you have resisted it, it's not negative anymore. You have your heart broken. Your car breaks down. Uh, you break your leg. Bef in a brief moment, before you interpret that as a bad thing because you've resisted it, it is neither good nor bad. So judge it? Judge it. Yeah, same thing. Mm -hmm. you, make a, you make a discernment. This is a good thing. This is a bad thing. Before that discernment has happened, it's not. And if we get on to that, we can see that there actually is. If we really allow ourselves to fall into that space pre-judgment, then there actually is this optimizing of force of existence working for. It's a very difficult place to discern because you would think that if you don't judge an experience, it's going to be neutral. Right? It's neither good nor bad, it's neutral. Logically, that's as far as you can go. If it's not good and it's not bad, it's neutral. But what you realize is that if, if you don't fall into the trap of, of good or bad judgments, that it's optimal. It's actually optimal. It's not neutral at all. It's optimal. It's the next stop on your path. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you don't ride a bus. And with three stops in between yours and the one you want to go, every time say, well, this is the wrong stop. This is the wrong direction. We shouldn't be going this way. Right? But you trust. You trust that where that bus is taking you is to where you want to go. If you did the same thing with your inner experience, you would experience total freedom. You'd realize existence is taking you exactly where you want to go. It even knows before you even ask where to go, where you want to go. It's taking you there. But we're busy every time we think it's going in the wrong direction, pulling the <laughs> thing, saying, let me off. <laughs> let me off, you know. So the, the thing to notice then is our resistance. Things become bad through resistance. You know, there's proof in this. I mean, you can prove this because what one person views, what a bodybuilder views as terrible bicep pain, the rodeo uh, rider who tears his bicep uh, views as horrible. What's the difference? To one, 
he sees it as his advantage, and to the other, he sees it as his downfall. It's the same exact experience. He enjoys. He sees the benefit. Right. Now, if we were to take just one simple example like that and amplify it by thousands upon thousands upon millions of experiences and moments, not knowing where it's all leading, but having some sense that you are on the bus riding to your destination, you know, we would then come into a very deep and total acceptance of what's happening as a necessary component to where we want to be. Even if, as you're there, it seems so not like where you want to be. 